Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. I'm looking forward to this intro because Zoe's just said, don't forget to let make me talk about the bedroom antics. Yes. So if you know Zoe, you're going to have one thing in mind, but I'm hoping she's going to prove us wrong, that she hasn't got a filthy mind and she's going to be talking about like decorating or something. Right. Okay. Well, it's interesting that you went to decorating when I said bedroom antics, which is the difference between you and I. But in <laughs> fact, this time it's not about, um, <laughs> it's not about any exciting bedroom antics between Dozza and I. It is the situation that's going on at home with children, my children, coming into our bed in the middle of the night. Oh no! Yeah, it's it's happening. For, for, and I and I feel like I haven't even sort of jinxed it by being that smug person that was like, "Oh, my children always sleep in their own beds." I have no idea what's going on. I don't know whether it's because you know there's maybe a bit of anxiety around them starting school again, or whether it's because I've been leaving early for work. But genuinely, we cannot get through a night now without either Kit or Luna or both of them, which <laughs> happened last night, coming in and standing by the. You know, I have a fear around little girl ghosts as well. Yeah. So this whole like a child standing right by my face and then going. Mummy. Well, so they speak to you. They don't just get in and go to sleep. Oh, no, like, they want the full on chat. Some oh, Luna's crying. No. Don't leave. Don't leave, mummy. I'm like, it's midnight. I'm not going anywhere. And then Kit's like, I need a wee. I'm like, okay, well, there's a loo there. And then they just come around and just get in. So that's it. We're now four in a bed. Oh my God. You're going to have to get one of those emperor beds. <laughs> Jamie, um, I've just come off air and Jamie t- thinks and told me that he's he had a bed made, like, ha- like handmade one off and it's yeah. the biggest bed you'll ever see. Oh my God. Yeah. I know people who have done this and it's yeah. like two super king beds put together because they just think, well, that's just easier if like everyone gets into, into bed. Yeah. Have you I seen mean... Coming to America? I haven't. But. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so bad with things like this. Well, it's it's like it's like a, it's like a royal bed. Apparently, we need one of those because currently it's a king size and it ain't big enough for all of us. And if oh, my children no. are listening, which I really hope they're not, but in a way I hope they are, please stop it. I'm so please tired. Please stop it. Do you know what? <laughs> this is giving me the fear because Gigi's still in a cot, right? Right. So she's three and still in a cot. When Axel turned three, Gigi, you know, Gigi was here, so he was way out of the cot because yeah. we did it much you know, months and months before she arrived. But because I've had no pressure to get her out of it and she sleeps so well in it, I'm like, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to yeah. like chance it. But now she's three. She's still tiny. So she's not like she doesn't fit. But this this is what I think she'll do because oh, yeah. she's so much more like 
you know one like needy and like wanting the attention than Axel does in the night he's almost like I've had enough of everyone by the end yeah of the he's day. so Leave so me I mean alone. we saw him yesterday I was I was amazed how grown up he feels he's so grown up whereas yeah. Gigi's still like I want to be with my mummy and daddy and uh. which is lovely yeah. in a way because I was thinking it's so lovely because it's not going to be very long until they all turn around and go you know they've probably got locks on their bedroom doors so oh it is love it is in a way it's gorgeous having that sort of skin on skin and those cuddles and stuff but I am absolutely shattered so yeah, yeah I, you my just advice don't to you, want to be woken up do you <laughs> I'd be fine just if she just comes in 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 the middle of the night like snuggles down and yeah. I don't even know she's there no. absolutely no issues I don't want to be woken up no thanks so we've recorded the podcast obviously the chat a while ago but we're also doing this little intro ahead of time as well because you are going on your holidays I'm going on my holidays where um, are you going I am I'm going to Spain with my mum which will be so lovely and the kids <laughs> and my mum and the kids Obviously. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, so we're just going for a week. We're going to Estepona. I yes. think it's going to be lovely. The weather will be nice. It's just going to be very chilled. But you're also going on your holidays as well, aren't you? Yeah, guess where I'm going. Oh, we all know where you're going. Go back to Ibiza. <laughs> Venga bus is en route to collect me. Yeah, we're taking the kids. We've got five days, four nights. That's all we could squeeze in before Isla starts back at school. So we're going kind of end of August for, for four nights. We're staying with mates. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be different oh. vibes, very chill, but lots of nice beach days. I am definitely going to be able to sneak out and go dancing one night. So I'll keep you posted on that. I'll be doing <laughs> Venting every step of it but yeah it's going to be really nice and actually I've got two weeks off work so we've got my best friend's getting married oh, um, nice. on Saturday yeah. FJ she's been on the podcast she's getting married yeah. this week oh wow yes. oh my gosh gosh so when she came on the podcast she was pregnant is that right I, I think, think she, she was pregnant wasn't she yeah she definitely hadn't had the baby yet yeah, yeah. She, she must have just yeah she must have been pregnant well baby's two just over two <gasps> Ray now little Ray and they're getting married at their home this weekend and it's going to be absolutely gorgeous and oh. then we've got another mate's wedding next Friday and then we and then we leave so yeah really excited so we're going to take a little break not from the podcast the podcast will keep going it will keep going and we've got an absolute treat for you today um with uh, I mean it's, it's safe to say this woman is a total and utter mum boss I yeah. mean, talk about building a global brand, smashing it and having such kind of calmness about her. That's what I was really blown away by. Yeah, me too. I thought, right, before she came on, I thought, you know, she's an absolute kick-ass businesswoman. She's into her nutrition and like, she, I thought she'd be quite serious. But actually, she, I mean, she is serious about certain things that she's really passionate about, but she's so friendly and bubbly and she has so much energy and it was just such a lovely lovely chat yeah and and obviously hearing about the how the business was born as well mm. I found really fascinating because know. You know, she has spoken about it in the past that the whole reason that she started deliciously Ella was because of her health condition and it kind of drove her to take up a hobby and that hobby was playing around with different types of food so yeah you're going to get a real insight into how she built the brand why she did it where she's taking it and obviously her life as mum um let's get into the conversation it was a really brilliant one who are we chatting to today we are chatting to ella mills founder of deliciously ella 
So please welcome to the podcast, Ella Mills from Deliciously Ella. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you guys for having me. I was just saying to you before we started, I'm a listener of the show, so it's always quite exciting to um, to then get to be on the other side of it. Yay! Oh, that's really nice to hear, actually. But how are, how are you? This is all about you today. Tell us how you are. Uh, you know what? I'm actually really good. Yeah. You know what it's like when you're, you've got lots of little people in your life, kind of life changes by the day last week not such a good week this week so far so good was the not such a good week um to do with the kids because you've got two i mean you're two little ones you've got may and sky they're about 14 months apart aren't they so how is life with basically twins do you know what my mum and her brother are about 10 months apart so when i told my granny that i was pregnant second time she just said well you did better than me If you're in the same year, they call it Irish twins. Irish twins. Yes, yes. So my mum's an Irish twin. Yeah, and yours are just out of that. So pretty much Irish twins. Did you always plan to have them really close together? We really wanted to. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know if we'd be able to, you know, how it'd pan out. So we didn't have kind of massive expectations. But that was something that we, we really always liked the idea of. We're both so, so close with our families. And so I think we just really loved the idea of them being close, like so, so close in age that they could really kind of be inbuilt best friends. And then in a way, I think I was quite lucky with it all because my second pregnancy was during the pandemic. And I know that some women found that really difficult. But for me, that was actually kind of the biggest blessing. I was about... I think I was about eight weeks pregnant when the pandemic started and we went into lockdown. And I basically had a secret baby because, you know, no one knew I was pregnant then. I didn't look pregnant. And I came out at the end of it with a six month old, a much more relaxed pregnancy. And I think as well, doing them really effectively back to back. I think it helped my body quite a lot. Mm. Um, t- tell us about, because um, there's, so there's so many things that we want to ask you today. You know, we'll, we'll talk about your labours, we'll talk about your pregnancies and all that. But I, I, we really want to sort of dive in with Deliciously Ella and how that came about and how you built such an incredible brand. Well, thank you. We just had our 10 year anniversary this year, which is a really surreal moment, actually, because I look back and I was actually for something yesterday, I was looking back at pictures right from the beginning of Delicious Ciela. And, you know, in a way it feels really sweet because I had no plans for it. I never expected it to be where it is today. I'm sure you guys felt the same, you know, on episode one. You don't necessarily realise four years later you're going to be where you are. And it's Mm -hmm. sort of just step by step, lots of missteps. Um, But it's been the most extraordinary journey. I mean, I started it for such a personal need And I'd been very, very unwell the year before in 2011, had a condition that affected the um, functioning of my autonomic nervous system. In lots of ways, it looks similar to quite severe long COVID. It's the first time I feel like I've been able to explain it in a way that starts to feel relatable to people. So I had chronic fatigue. I had chronic infections. I was on antibiotics, including antibiotic drips in hospital for about three and a half years. I was on beta blockers because I couldn't control my array had chronic pain, chronic headaches. I mean, I literally couldn't leave the house. And I was, yeah, on every, I was on over 20 medications a day at one point. This Is is this ME? This is, is this is a form of ME? They're real overlaps. You could sleep forever and it would never be enough. Yeah, after about a year on all these different medications, I just, it was really, really clear that that, that wasn't really going to work. And, and I needed to look at what else I could do. And I had no, I had no idea how to cook. I didn't like healthy food. I really 
didn't particularly like vegetables full stop and so I said about teaching myself to cook and it always sounds quite strange I think saying that now because the world's changed so much in the last 10 years but when I was starting delicious yellow you know plant-based wasn't a term that anybody used flexitarian wasn't a term really people were using people just weren't interested in natural plant-based food in any shape or form and it's really been since our first book came out beginning of 2015 that that narrative's really changed and kind of obviously like within that really allowed us to have the opportunity to build the company into what it is today. Was your sickness just a bolt out of the blue? Was that just out of nowhere, just wham, hit hit with it? Literally out of nowhere. It was the summer that lots of my friends were turning 21 and one of my girlfriends um, had a party. And I woke up, I didn't feel quite right that evening. And I've never been a massive drinker, you know, probably had like four drinks or something. And I woke up the next day and I felt not like I'd had four drinks. I felt like I'd been hit by a truck and my stomach looked like I was pregnant. I mean, it was that swollen. I was like, God, this is so weird. But I just assumed I'd like had a reaction to something and that was fine. And I went home and my mum was like, God, your stomach looks weird. <laughs> um, and um, and we just sort of kept going. And within you know, a week later, I just felt infinitely worse and nothing had changed. Yeah. Swelling in my stomach hadn't gone down. The pain hadn't gone down. The exhaustion hadn't gone down. But they thought it was a gastro um, problem initially because because my stomach, I looked more pregnant then than I did when I was six and a half months pregnant with my daughter. I couldn't wear a single one of my clothes. And so I saw a lot of gastroenterologists um, initially did every endoscopy, colonoscopy, had to swallow a camera. I was in the hospital and would wake up to a little post-it note saying nil by mouth while they tested everything. And it wasn't until a few months later, as all the other symptoms started um, to unfold and the heart problems and things, that they, they realised actually was a kind of wider systemic issue with the autonomic nervous system. So it was an adventure. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, it, it's incredible. So is it like a bit... I guess, how, how, when did you start feeling better? Like when, you know, you decided that you were going to learn to cook, but how long was the process after sort of learning about food and all that kind of stuff? Long. And also the food was horrible to start with. Like I'm always going to say that. It took me time to master it. Um, so yeah, it was, I would say within six weeks, something just felt a little bit different. It wasn't like I was suddenly really well, absolutely mm. not. But I just felt a bit less pain, a kind of slight shift in the brain fog and the exhaustion. It wasn't, you know, it was 15% better, but it was, I hadn't seen anything right. like that in a long time. And I hadn't seen any of that from any of the medications that I had tried. And some of those had had really nasty side effects as well. Um, and I, um, yeah, and but I would say it took me, I always say I think it took me three years, I think, to feel kind of semi-normal and to be off all the medication and to be living effectively a normal life where no one else would know anything was any different. I mean, how do you cope with that at the age that you were? I mean, most kind of 21, 22-year-olds are out, you know, travelling the world or at university partying and there you are dealing with a chronic health condition like that. So what's what's going on mental health-wise? How, how are you coping day to day? Yeah, n- initially not, not really at all, to be honest. Mm. Like I, it's really interesting when I look back on it, I think actually the number one probably descriptor of it was like just so dejected and I became incredibly apathetic. It was like I just then kind of switched a button, turned myself off. I just didn't care about anything anymore, like at all. I just had like zero 
energy physically and that really translated emotionally and I remember my dad saying he was like you know you've got very bad depression and I was like no I don't Mm. and it was like I couldn't even see I couldn't even see anything anymore like I absolutely did but I I'd become so flat in every aspect of my life that I just kind of lay in bed and I just accepted that that's what I was going to do and I just didn't care I just felt that there was no way I could ever change it so I stopped caring Mm. which was quite interesting and I think it wasn't until I ran out of all the different medications the doctors were trying and it was very clear that there were no routes forward for me at that point other than kind of staying where I was and it was really clear that like where I was I was never going to live independently I would never be able to have a normal job things I just kind of had taken for granted that could be options in my future you know having family having children yeah you know, it just, I would never, I'd never have been able to do that. And I think it was just, it was realizing that, that I would never kind of have a life that I thought I could potentially have the option to have that really made me realize, almost kind of wake up and realize how bad it was mentally yeah. and physically and that I needed to start to look for other things. And so, yeah, you sort of, I guess you found your love of food. And when did, you know, did it start as a hobby? Like, when did you start writing things down? How did it grow into the business it is today? Yeah, so it was always intended to be a hobby. So my godmother had had ME when she was about the same age that I was. And I talked to her about it at length. And she said, you know, the thing that really saved her was finding a hobby. Because you feel like there is just no purpose in your day. You know, you would quote unquote kind of achieve nothing because you literally just refresh Facebook all day and said you know in terms of seeing what your friends are doing what normal 21 22 year olds are doing and you just feel so pointless and it was she said getting a hobby just really saved her because she felt there was a bit of structure a bit of purpose and and that did really resonate because I could see how much that was lacking and equally I was really interested in changing my diet and so I decided that I would take changing my diet and learning to cook and make that the hobby so I could learn to take photos of it and a friend said well you know you should do it as a blog and at this point I was like oh what's a blog it's really crazy how quickly the world changes isn't it so this is only 10 and a half years ago anyway so she set me up on a wordpress site and my maiden name is Woodward I didn't I never loved it if I'm honest and and also ellawoodward.com doesn't really have like a massive ring to it so that crux of it for me personally was making it delicious because I didn't think vegetables were particularly delicious (laughs) and delicious yellow was born overnight but I was very um I think because my self-esteem was incredibly low at this point and also because I felt that I had no authority whatsoever to be writing about vegetables as someone who didn't even like them and couldn't cook that I didn't want to show it to anyone because I was like who am I to write a cooking website I can't cook I hate vegetables there's not much credibility I could write about pick a mix (laughs) (laughs) my friends would believe that was like a valid perspective for me to say I'm an expert in Um, so I didn't show anyone for a little bit but after a couple of months my mum friends family they wanted to to see it and they were really supportive and they shared it with friends who shared it with friends who shared it with friends and it was completely organic and unintentional but after a few months people started writing in I'd be making your recipes and people started writing in from all over the world so you'd have someone in Germany or in Spain or in Canada or in Brazil and lots of people had you know 
similar or other kinds of health challenges and it started really really quickly to become this community and it like genuinely I you know I don't say this kind of lightly it completely saved my life because Mm. like yes the change to that way of eating had a kind of massive benefit on my physical health but mentally this sense of being relating to other people in a similar place having the sense of community and also having the sense of purpose because I felt yes I was helping myself and that was great but I felt I was like genuinely able to help other people mm. and that other people were benefiting from what I was discovering and what I was learning and that just gave me such a drive to keep doing it but I never ever ever planned for it to then yeah snowball into what it has and I don't think it ever would have is if I hadn't have met my husband okay yeah we'll come we'll yes. come on to that because that's really interesting as well but I, I get I want I want to find out um because you mentioned about you know you you think it was about six weeks until you started to feel better with the food was it then a gradual rebuild on your whole energy and I guess immune system and your overall health over the course of a couple of years and do you still feel like you're Are you well now? Are you still getting better? Where are you at? Yeah, 100%. It was baby steps. Um, And also not linear at all, you know, like one step forward, two steps back. And that would be incredibly frustrating because you feel... You know, I'm sure lots of listeners have felt that in different aspects of their life. But my mum would always remind me she was like number one support. And she would always say like, yes, but your bad day today is better than your bad day was a month ago. So it's not mm-hmm. as good as you, you felt yesterday. But you have to remind yourself that the bad is still getting better. And that was really important mindset shift for me. And what yeah. did you what did you find out in terms of what were the good foods and what were the foods that didn't work with you? I mean, it's, it wasn't a kind of singular food. It was just moving to like away from the ultra processed diet. And I think it's, I'm, I'm really fascinated by obviously, I don't think I realized that I wasn't eating that well um, at the time. You're kind of eating a normal diet. But if we start to look at what our normal diets are, 60% of calories that we eat in the UK come from ultra processed food. And it's almost 70% in kids. So wow. we're so used to like just grabbing a sandwich and having that cereal. And 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 it's not to kind of guilt sh- or shame anyone, but I just think mm-hmm. it's interesting because actually you know, one in four of us managed to eat our five a day. It's one in five kids. So actually that, well, like what was normal, I think was less normal. So I think it was really just moving to that focus on like eating five to 10 portions of veggies a day, home cooking a lot and just eating, you know, in a way it was really simple. It's like carrots and lentils and chickpeas, but making them taste good. You know, it's really interesting that we're talking about this and obviously bringing it back to, to, to children because Georgia and I always have these discussions together that there were certain foods that we might have been giving our kids, you know, as first time mums and not really kind of being aware in terms of the sugar content, like for example, yeah. a certain yogurt brands, which I'm not going to name again. But like, I was like, my kids are having a yogurt that's supposed to be really healthy. Then they're acting like absolute lunatics for the next you know 45 minutes these massive sugar highs and these crashes and tantrums and I was like what's going on with the kids and then you start really looking into what's in them and they're sold as something else it's a very confusing market to be in especially as a first time mum where you're like you don't get it yeah it's so hard yeah I was just gonna say especially when you're a new mum and you've got so much to think about even just like the thought Mm. of feeding a baby is like whoa how am I going to do that? How are they even going to know how to do that? And you think you're safe when you go into that aisle in the supermarket, like the aisle that is targeted towards babies. You think, oh, well, this is all fine. And then you realize that actually it isn't. And you could probably do it so much better yourself. And it won't take you that much time. Totally. No, honestly, I'm like, as my kids get older, I find it harder and harder. I don't know if anyone else has felt the same. But I think it, I find it absolutely fascinating and I it's really opened my eyes to the fact that it's incredibly difficult as parents, I think, to 
to get your children eating well. I mean, I know with our kids, like recently spending lots of time with their friends and things, they became so fixated on snacks. But I said, oh, um, Sky, I made some muffins. And she was like, that's not a snack. No, it is. They're quite delicious. I'm quite good at it. <laughs> but because they didn't come in a shiny packet, yeah, you know, and like have a toy in or whatever it was, it, she didn't. She didn't classify it as a snack. And they really got to the point where they didn't want to eat any meals. They only wanted snacks. And like I picked her up from nursery, and she was like, "Can I have a lollipop?" And I am really passionate about the fact that you know you really need balance. I think that's so important for kids. Like I'm all yeah. about them having birthday cake and and brownies and cookies. Like that's a that's part of life's experiences. And I think that's important but equally like it's a Tuesday at midday you know I you could have like an oak bar and you can have an apple like we don't necessarily need a lollipop but she was like well my friends get lollipops after nursery I was like yeah it's really hard to know what to do it is actually because it's it's that whole thing of you not wanting them to feel like they're missing out but equally, like when you look back, like if I'm talking to my mum now, I'd be like, well, why did you introduce me to pick a mix? If I hadn't have known about it, I wouldn't love it now. Like yeah. it's, it's create, you want them to create good habits, but you don't want them to hate, hate you and feel like. You, but like also, it's not out. fair. It's not fair. Like, I don't know about your kids, but my, my kids cannot handle it. They cannot handle it. And I feel like, you know, look, we have a lot of balance in the house. You know, they can have an ice cream every now and again. They can do X, Y, and Z. And, and, you know, nothing's, I don't want it to be seen as, you know, if you eat this apple, you can have this lollipop. That's not how I want it to work because all food should be accepted. That's this just the way we run it in our house. But I give them sugar or something that's, you know, processed and they, 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 they just lose it. They absolutely lose it. And then so we'll have full days where we just say, right, that's it. There's a sugar ban today and there's just no sugar because I just don't like seeing them like that. No, we're the same and and try and take the exact same approach. But it is that where sometimes you're like, yeah, but this is, you know, or not making you well or like, you know, because they eat snacks, they eat no fiber and then they have time and they can't poo. Yeah. And and it was driving me nuts. And we were saying my dad and I was like, they were like, can we have a snack? And I was like, oh, no, Papa doesn't have any snacks here. Um, do you want an apple? And she was like, yeah. And then she asked for one later. And I was like, do you remember Papa doesn't have snacks? And she was like, oh, oh yeah. does he have fruit? I was like, yeah, do you want a pear? Yeah. And by the end of the day, she'd had four pieces of fruit and her stomach yeah. was so much better. And it's just, um, yeah, she said, it's an impossible balance. But I think it is, you know, it's one thing to struggle as an adult to change your diet because you've got time pressures and juggling kids and work and all the rest of it. But you also can kind of learn a bit more about how it could help you and you have that more rational angle. But children don't have that and they kind of change their desires on a whim. And I I do think that feeding your kids is extraordinarily difficult. Mm. But also, I feel like we know so much more now than our parents did. So even the fact that we're having this conversation and we're actually being mindful about, you know, even if it's, I don't know, not giving them the lollipop three times a week. You know, and we're just giving them it once we are making a change that's gonna impact them in a positive way it doesn't really ever work out though does it I'll be the first to tell you that I have I, I did it I did a great job with my girls and I and I don't feel like I've done a great job with my son who who just do you feel the same George Axel's cool like he he yeah. eats well he's also yeah. into sport and I think he understands that you know you like fueling your body and all that stuff he likes that whole concept Gigi would literally eat crisps all day and uh, and all night and not 
ever want anything else if I let her. How it's can we? So how, can, how can it be so different in a household where we have fruit coming out of our ears, vegetables in the fridge? The girls will eat anything. And Kit, oh, I hate fruit. I hate vegetables. Says it to me every day. I hate fruit. He goes, why would I want an apple? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Because fucking good for you, mate. Come on. Like your sister's tucking into one. Your oldest is tucking. It's bizarre that one child won't and the other two. Well, I don't know. What, what What's your thought on that? It's so interesting. We, we've got the same one of our daughters is such a better she's just naturally a better eater she's like just more chilled out she's kind of just like if she doesn't eat a meal it's rarely because she doesn't like it it's more because she's not hungry or like not feeling amazing whereas the other one is like she's just so particular and she has like obsessions with things and then she hates it and you know she I won't even try it but then she'll try it the other day and eat loads and loads of it so she's just sort of it's just that innate personality, isn't it? Which is so interesting to navigate. And I, I'm always fascinated by it because obviously our girls are so close in age. You know, Sky was about seven months when COVID started or so. So really like the first kind of best part of both of their lives was identical to each other. And yet they are like in the way they eat, but also their personalities, they literally bear no resemblance to one another. Completely chalk and cheese. For me, it was almost like really having two so close together really highlighted the fact that like, yeah, you can try your best and give yourself credit for trying, but also like beyond a certain point, it is completely out of your control. <laughs> we joke about this all the time because we've basically been putting like strawberries, grapes, peaches just on a plate. Just every time I make, you know, pick lunch, I'm like, Kit, today's going to be the day. And, you know, for nearly four years, he's just gone, yuck. No, 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 no. So now I've just stopped doing it because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've probably like filled you know, 500 million apple carts full of fruit that he just will not touch. So I'm not wasting any more fruit now. <laughs> His time will come. His time will come. <laughs> yeah. Will. I didn't eat fruit or vegetables till I was 21, pretty much. Exactly. Oh, there great. We go. This gives me hope. This gives us hope. There we go. You never know. Maybe he'll start a health food company too. And let's go back to the point where you met your husband at that point. Um, obviously, because fell in love, man of your dreams, but also business and then obviously baby. So let's start with what happened to the business when your husband came along. Yeah. So we, um, we met through our parents, which is obviously a bit unusual in this day and age. Um, and it was just after my first book had come out and his mum and my dad worked together. He knew my dad. I didn't, I didn't know him or his mum. And he's eight year, almost eight years older than me. And we'd lived this like strange parallel lives. We lived 15 minutes away from each other. We'd kind of, you know, our like childhood memories are in almost all of the same places. You know, we used to go to the same like W.A. Smiths and buy magazine. Um, but obviously, yeah, this, this almost eight years apart from each other. And he was really interested in what I was doing and read an article about what I was doing when the first book came out in the Sunday Times. And he emailed my dad and said, I'd really love to talk to Ella about it. Um, he was working in finance at the time and he was like, can you put us in touch? And it was completely like non-romantic, like a genuine conversation interested in the business. And we met and I left and I'd just broken up with my boyfriend of just over four years, was like having this amazing career opportunity, had no interest in a relationship whatsoever, like definitely not a serious one. I was dating three people at the time. Go on, Ella. And I met him and I left and I said to one of my best friends afterwards, I was like, that is the kind of person that you marry, like 100%. Anyway, we met one more time and I then called my mum and I was like, I'm a bit confused. Like I'm a bit confused about whether he wants to go into business together or whether 
like that was a date and we um yeah we moved in together a week later no way oh my goodness so you already knew you wanted to marry him but when did you decide right let's crack on and have some kids within four months of meeting we were engaged we had a dog and we decided to go into business together um and we got married the following year and we on, we on our honeymoon we were like should we have a baby and we were like our home honeymoon we were like yeah i think we should and then on the flight home we were like let's let's do this actually let's let's have a baby and then we landed and we like turned on our emails to like bing 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 and we were like no maybe not yet <laughs> emails first babies later yeah we were like we're not ready we're like the, we realized we had this very exciting opportunity to like truly build a company and it was just so clear that we were going to have to put everything that we had into that. And it just, it wasn't the right time. Um, and we thought about it again, a few years later, his mum was diagnosed with, um, terminal brain cancer Mm. in 2017. And we, we'd got married the year before that. And we, so we talked about it again then and whether that was the right time. And it felt like actually, um, it's too many, emotional yeah. pieces going on and and he needed to be 100% present actually with, with her which was definitely the right decision but yeah. after after she passed away which was just a year later we went up to Skye um the Isle of Skye in Scotland which is her favorite place in the world and we were sitting there and we went for this amazing lunch and we were sitting looking out the ocean and we just said you know what like maybe now maybe now it is the right time and if we if if it's a daughter let's call her sky oh. went home had yeah sort of kept it on hold a little bit anyway and a few months later that autumn we were like you know let, let's just see what happens let's not put any pressure on ourselves it will be what it will be and yeah hopefully and then yeah a week later I was pregnant oh my gosh wow what a lovely story and and do you remember the moment that you found out you were pregnant where you were yeah, so it was it was interesting. We we'd been in America for work. It's a bit ironic actually because we were in America and we were meeting with um like some some big um supermarkets over there ready to go and probably move there and take the brand over there and we got pregnant on that trip so we were like <laughs> <laughs> okay sure <laughs> maybe we'll wait a little bit and um anyway but I came home and the next day I just felt very strange and my body is really sensitive. I know you asked earlier, like how my health is today. Like it's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm great. I feel really good, but I'm very, like, I think I'm a lot more sensitive probably than most mm-hmm. people I still have to live within like a probably tighter continuum to, to feel good. I just felt very strange. And I, I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'd flown back overnight. I was, you know, tired and jet lagged and, and things. And but I felt so sick. I'm not a nauseous person at all. And the same the next day. And then I had a bit of spotting, which I, I've never had before. I did, And I didn't know that like you can have that at the very beginning part um, of pregnancy anyway. And um, so I called my mum and I was like, um, do you remember when my brother's the oldest and then me? And I was like, do you remember when you got pregnant first time? Like, how, how quickly did you feel any symptoms? She's like, what, what are you saying? And I was like, well, I, I don't know. Asking for a friend. <laughs> Not for me, honest. Not late, no. And um, this was way too early to take a test. And she was like, anyway, she was like, well, I can't remember anything. So it probably, I probably didn't have anything at that point because I think if I did, I probably would remember. And that went on for a few more days. And I was like, well, either I'm pregnant or I should go to hospital because this like isn't right. Anyway, and then as soon as I thought the earliest I could take a test, I did. And like, it was such a faint line because it was, probably like a few days early but um 
yeah, was was pregnant. So you felt symptoms like what a week five after? Five days after. Five days after. Did you? Five days. Oh my god! It was so god. crazy, and it was so extreme, so quickly within like twenty four, literally like from conception. That's Do interesting. Do you think that's isn't it? because at that time you were really in tune with your body? Like I really felt so ill. You couldn't have not noticed it. My mum, my mum always tells this really, really way too honest story oh, about. No. Do you remember this one, George? Where where she she's like she tells everyone she goes. Goes, oh, me and Zoe's father, we just had sex. I go, don't say that. Don't say that. She goes, we're in Kenya. And we, I walked outside, looked at the ocean. I just felt her cling on to me. And I was like, what, half an hour after you did the deed with my dad? <laughs> I was like, firstly, please never tell another soul that that is what happened. <laughs> I think some people feel it, whether they sort of, you know, whether it's kind of in your mind or whether you actually have the physical symptoms. But I do think we do hear quite a lot of stories about that. Yeah. That very quickly within days. Mm, it was crazy. It was a really, yeah. really crazy thing. And lots of people are like, well, you can't know. And I was like, no seriously like I feel so ill I couldn't eat anything I thought it was, I was retching all day long like wow you know not like really yeah. it was quite intense yeah yeah and so how how was your pregnancy going forward and then also your second pregnancy were they different it's completely different my I, my first pregnancy was awful like I really I hated it if I'm being totally honest um I felt I had that like absolutely kind of non- like relentless nausea for about 18, 19 weeks. Obviously my job is food and I was meant to hand in a cookbook and all sorts of other projects. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do them. I, I remember opening my fridge, seeing broccoli and starting to gag. And, um, and that, and that like real chronic fatigue came back in, whereas it didn't matter how much I slept. I felt like I couldn't lift up my arm. You know, I had that little energy. Um, so it was really bad first time. Whereas second time it was a breeze. I didn't have any nausea, didn't have any of the exhaust. I mean, you feel tired. Of course, you feel tired, but not that same like crippling exhaustion. During your first pregnancy, did it worry you how bad you were feeling? And mm. if like your health was going to take a, 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 you know, a bad turn or anything like that? Yeah, a little bit. I think I always have like an underlying anxiety when I don't feel right that I could go back to where I've been before. But equally, I, sometimes I was quite... I think, in, I don't know if you guys felt the same, but I definitely was more anxious, you know, is the baby okay yeah. in the first pregnancy, much more so in the second, where I think like, A, you've done it before, but B, you just don't have time for those thoughts. And so almost sometimes I would really try and get, take comfort in it because I was like, oh, must mean a good sign. I don't know if it does actually mean anything at all. And are we right in thinking that you did hypnobirthing? So, you re- to, again, there's literally no parallels between either of the experiences. So Sky was, i just finished work the night before, literally, and I called my husband and I was like, I think that she's going to be born. And it was two weeks early and he was like, no, she's not. Um, she's really early. And I was like, no, I just, I really feel it. And he was like, okay, do you want to go for dinner or something? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go for dinner. I think this will be the last time. And I mean, he thought I was just, you know, what was I on about? We were meant to go to one of our oldest friend's weddings the next day in Oxford. And I woke up in the night and nothing had happened. And I was so disappointed because I really like felt I knew my body so well, very overwhelming feeling that that would be the case. Anyway, went back to sleep and I was like, fine, we will go to the wedding woke up at six in the morning and I had like was awake for one second then I was suddenly like oh my god the bed is soaking wet if I beat my pants 
And I, my waters had broken everywhere. Also, one of those things where the midwife said, that's what happens in movies. It doesn't happen in real life. No. And um, I was also a bit shocked. There is, it is like a waterfall. There is so much water that comes out. Um, and so, so anyway, that was at 6am. So, um, and then nothing really happened for the next two hours. If that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have thought I was in labour and definitely would have got on a train to Oxford. So luckily it did. And um, anyway, and so after, yeah, but after a few hours, it kind of kickstarted. And then, yeah, just progressed from there. And we, the, the water at birth was unbelievable. I mean, I felt like when I got into the water, I was certainly reaching what I felt was the kind of upper limit of my pain threshold. And getting yeah. in the water, I just remember getting in there and going like, ah. and I found mm. also in between each contraction, you can almost relax to an extent because the water really like holds you, like lie all the way back and just kind of collapse almost into it and then go again. And it was progressing really well, actually. But then the pushing bit was then she really slowed down. She was like, it was like two and a half hours. Wow. Oh, gosh. Did you always want a home birth or was that something that you kind of read about or discovered later on? Had never even considered it. Um, didn't know anyone who'd done it. And when I said I was pregnant on Instagram, I had all these messages from people and they said, my birth was the most empowering day of my life. It was the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. And they weren't saying because I met my child. They were saying because the experience was so transformative and how positive it was. And I was like, sorry, hold on a second. What are you talking about? You know, I had never, ever, ever, ever heard anyone describe birth in that way. Mm. And, you know, obviously sometimes it's some, some stories were more negative than others, but I'd never heard it with this. It was the best day of my life because I was so empowered by it. Anyway, and I was very fascinated by these stories and this narrative that felt very different. And I, um, and anyway, hypnobirthing was the kind of common thread between it all. So I became very interested in that. I did a course, course with um, Catherine Graves. That was amazing. There was a documentary called Orgasmic Birth. That was quite extraordinary. Orgasmic birth. People fully having orgasms during birth. I mean, that was one extreme. One extreme. <laughs> I didn't experience any of that. Honestly, it was crazy, but it's quite a fascinating documentary. Anyway, it was just this changing of a conversation. There's an amazing book by Ina May, A Guide to Childbirth and All These Women's Birth Stories. And it just got me thinking about it. And as I got into it, but then also a lot into the kind of biology, the physiology of so much of the kind of process of birth needing a lack of cortisol and a lack of adrenaline and a lack of all the stress this idea of doing it at home in a place where you feel really safe, that's really calm, that's really quiet, where you have kind of consistent care, started to make a huge amount of sense. And the more data I read, the more it felt actually like a good idea. And, um, but you know, we live in central London, we're like 10 minutes from a hospital. So I think that certainly made me feel differently that, you know, I was registered there, I could change my mind at any point. Mm-hmm. And it was the hardest thing I've probably ever done um but I and it definitely took me so much a long way beyond my physical and emotional limits definitely but it was it was an extraordinarily empowering experience like I felt stronger than I've ever felt I felt quite invincible after Sky was born it was yeah it's not to say it was easy it was anything but but it was it was unbelievable and I yeah I, I would never I would never do it differently and I would 
always advocate a curiosity for it. Not not that it's right for everybody, but it's maybe not as mad as you might think. Yeah. What an amazing positive birth story. We absolutely love hearing people's birth stories. Um, you know, the good, the bad, bad and everything else in between. So, and did you actually give birth in the water? Yeah. And then May, the same. But May, with May, I had prodromal labour. Um, for five weeks, which I would only describe as hell on earth. What does that mean? Yeah, You basically get contractions every single day and nothing happens. It's not very common. Um, It normally happens um, when you've had more than three children or in a breach um, birth. You start having contractions and they're not the extreme end, but they're not, you can't ignore them. And I'd have them for three or four hours a day, every day. And she kept dropping lower and lower and lower. And the midwife was like, showing Matt what to do because she was like she could be born in 10 minutes <laughs> she's like she could fall out so I couldn't I literally didn't leave the house for about a month because they would just come on out of nowhere and you it always took time to realize like is this labor or is this not labor and I didn't want to be like halfway through the park and she was literally she had done the rotation oh my god were you not exhausted after being in labor for weeks and weeks I think it was there was just the emotional exhaustion actually of just never knowing like what was real and that Mm -hmm. thing where you know at a certain point like you know Matthew had to go to work and you know you can't like everyone can't be on standby literally 24 7 for five weeks except for the fact that you you were um so but then she was born in an hour and a half from the very first twinge to the end Wow. wow an hour and a half Jesus yeah I had my first contraction I was like is this just what I've been doing? Because she was a few days late as well. So I just assumed that it was, yeah, the same. Um, yeah, not like real contractions, but that we're just going to stop rather than keep progressing. And anyway, and then after like 20 minutes, I was like, oh no, these are getting strong. So we were like desperately trying to fill up the pool and like get Sky to my mum's house and the midwife to arrive. Um, but she arrived like 20 minutes before she was like actually born. Oh my goodness. We'll be right back after this short break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? I need to tell you this right now because I've been dying to tell you, but your um, gluten-free oat bars, the apple, raisin, and cinnamon ones, are basically getting me through my daily existence of doing breakfast at the moment. The kids love them. I love them. If I ever see dolls trying to take them, I'm like, hands off my delicious <laughs> bars. They're so 
so so delicious um so like yeah I guess it's just a, it's just a big thank you really from me because they're, they're helping me survive at the minute oh my god that's honestly like the biggest <laughs> pleasure it's always so nice and so validating to hear that what, what's, uh, ne- what's next with the brand Where, where's it going you mentioned America like what's on the cards yeah do you know what it's so exciting like COVID was pretty tough I think as a brand like we're as a company we're very brand led and it's all about kind of community and excitement and building and yeah it just felt like you were just working seven times harder to not even quite spin your wheels as you were before and so it's it's really exciting at the moment to be back we've got a brand new book coming out this month which um is all about how to go plant-based not about making everyone 100 percent plant-based but sharing all the recipes you could need loads of one pan one tray um to get and big focus on family to just make it a lot easier but also with all the nutritional information um, from seven different um, NHS experts, which is exciting. We've just thought, relaunched our podcast, um, which is really exciting. And yeah, and then it's just building the the food product side of it. We've just launched into Germany and Austria. The Netherlands is next. We're wow. into Switzerland and Ireland as well. And then, yeah, one of our teams just moved over to America to um, start <gasps> that project. So very much all systems go. That so exciting. so exciting. Well, if you ever need two people to just go and stand on the street in LA and just eat your bars and promote them. George and I are free as a bird. We've just started a new feature on the podcast where we ask our listeners to write in some questions. One of them has said, advice on being plant-based when others around you aren't. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, I've always wanted it to feel very flexible, very open for people. I started off by cooking a lot for my friends and family because I think there is this preconception that healthy food, and I had it too, um, that healthy food is going to be boring and bland and unfilling. So I started cooking a lot for friends and family to start to introduce them to the recipes and and get a sense of how it could taste, but also not feeling like it has to be 100%. So, you know, could you just reverse it so that the plant-based element is the centre of the plate? and the animal proteins at the side. So you could make a big veggie curry with prawns on the side as opposed to a prawn curry with minimal veggies. So I think that way of thinking about it as well is nice and everyone can kind of dip in and dip out depending on what they like, which I think also in a family setting works quite nicely. Yeah, do you know what? I've been making the aubergine chickpea curry, you know, like the one with miso paste. I think it's in your first, is it in your first book? Yeah. Um, for, well, forever. And actually, I think like previous to that my mum would never consider a meal without meat or fish and then now she and once she started eating that she she makes it all the time probably like once a week I need to, I'm gonna go out and buy the books today and another one um from a listener who's, who's just basically said how do you manage the mother work balance I don't know what you guys feel it's I think <laughs> it's impossible isn't it and I I don't say that in a like a kind of um really passive way but just because I feel that there's this kind of never-ending search for an answer and I just don't think the answer exists which only uh, to me the only answer is to kind of well I think it's twofold I think first of all I think it's so important to see your life in chapters and I I think you can do it all across all the chapters you cannot do it all in one chapter and I think that is so important you know especially when you're in the phase with young children you know they take up so much of your emotional energy as well as kind of just on a practical sense of time and resource and I just think you can do two things in your life I just don't think you can really do more than that well without kind of completely burning out for me at the moment that's work and and my family and I have the smallest social life on earth you know I've got a couple of absolute best friends lots of them with similar age children to me and, and that is it we're in bed at 
8.30 every night. Over here as well. Mm, and I George. get that. Such an important thing to say. You know, I know there'll be chapters in our life later where we can travel more and we can spend way more time with friends and we can go out for dinners and drink lots of wine and that'll be great. But that's just not the phase that we're in at the moment. And so I come back to that a lot in terms of kind of not putting undue pressure in yourself. You know, if you want to put a lot of energy into work, I think something will have to give. Um, and I think that is important. Um, and then yeah. I think the second thing is the fact that like it's so it's so normal to worry and it's so normal to feel guilty. And I, I don't think anybody's kind of got it sus. Some days the balance feels right and some days the balance feels wrong. And I think the more we can just kind of accept that's the case, the better. I mean, I, I hope that our kids will be really proud of us as they get older and that will inspire them in their lives. Yeah, I love oh, the I idea of chapters, so. actually. Yes, really that's interesting a good advice. Way, yeah, mm. really good way to think about it. Do you have, well, I'm sure you've got loads, but your sort of diehard products that you can't live without, either for the kids, for yourself? Kids-wise, the best product I've found that I'm still using kind of over three years is the Green People Nappy Cream. Use it for everything. Clears up. It's literally magic um, as a kind of more natural alternative, but it actually works. Like it clears up every single rash, bum rash, but also just like any rash. And my kids are quite rashy. Um, so that is the best product I bought for the kids. What about like what buggy did you have? Because obviously you live in central London and you've had two children relatively close together. So what, what buggy do you have or have had if you've stopped now. yes so I had I have to say I a double buggy overwhelmed me I <laughs> when yeah. I went out the house with it the first time I was like oh my god this is a beast um and going back down to a single buggy was like one of the most exciting days of my life we currently have the bugaboo um and I think it's the end yeah it's good I really like it I've tried a few buggies that's my favorite not a gift I bought it on boots but it's um it's really good it's like got good enough suspension and steering it's light enough but it also I find it a lot more robust and easier to push and more enjoyable to push than like lots of the kind of smaller travel ones and um skincare so either a night cream or a serum that you love something that you sort of swear by I've just found a new cream um I yeah Time is of the essence, um, as I'm sure it is for every mum listening. And so I've been looking for a bit of an all-in-one. And the amazing lady who's like a skin guru recommended a product called Spectacle. Um, and it's it's just one cream, but it has loads of different bits, like a little bit of retinol, I think, and things in it. So you just mm-hmm. use one thing. Um, and I've been using that now for about two months. Wow. Your skin looks amazing. And you can use it every day. And you just don't have to think about it. You don't have to be like, oh, what do I layer with what? Um, and yeah miracle I'd say Ella it's been an absolute treat to have you on thank you so much we've loved it haven't we George such a pleasure all calm collected creative she is incredible isn't she and actually she did stick to her word and she sent us her new book and I have actually already made one of the pasta dishes and it is absolutely delicious and I mean do you remember when Judgy James went vegan for a little while oh yes it was really annoying and actually now the book has arrived in the house he's like oh I'm gonna start eating more plant-based again It is a really great book and I I will definitely be doing a lot of the recipes from it 
for sure. Yeah, and I would just like to say, in typical me style, I obviously haven't cooked anything from the <laughs> recipe book yet, but I have looked at a couple of recipes on there. And she also sent me these insane, like uh, dark chocolate um, yes. caramel cup things, oh my God, which I yes. munched in one sitting. And then Kit came in and was like, "What are you eating?" I was like, "Nothing." I was like, "These are way too good to give to you, mate." So I yeah. loved those. So thank Her you. Her snacks are incredible stuff. as well. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, love that conversation. Um, so thank you so much for listening and, and kind of engaging in it and we really hope you enjoyed today's chat we absolutely love getting your suggestions and we also love it if you have time to rate, review, subscribe and follow the podcast as well so you don't miss an episode yeah please do we absolutely love reading your reviews so if you do have time we really really appreciate it any feedback please drop us a DM on Instagram we're on at Made by Mummers, and we'll be back on Friday Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.